0: This episode of Mummy Republic is brought to you by Mum Network. Mum Network is Australia's first mums-only talent agency. Rosie and her team secure partnerships for the talented mums on the network with brands looking to increase exposure for their products or services. To learn more on applying to join the team, or if you're a brand wanting to gain more exposure in this important demographic, head to mumnetwork.com.au. Welcome to Modern Motherhood, where you're required to be everything, to everyone, all the time. We wouldn't have it any other way, but let's be honest, it's hard work. So let's talk about it, all of it, in the raw, with no filter. Come and be a fly on the wall as you listen in on a chat between friends as each week welcomes a new guest and a new topic to delve deeper around the ins and outs of not only motherhood, but life in general. The ups, the downs, the struggles, the highlights, the reality. Because the reality is, you're not alone. We're all in this together. You're listening to Mummy Republic. Welcome to the whirlwind. Hello, lovely, and welcome back to another episode of the Mummy Republic podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and I am so excited that I am talking to you twice in one week. Does this mean we're going steady? I mean, I certainly hope so. Now, this week I've decided to do a bonus episode because, you know what, I'm making it all about the men. Not only do I love mamas, but I think it's great for us to get an insight from the other gender. Now, today's episode is a little bit different to usual because my guest is not telling his story. In fact, he's doing me a solid and letting me pick his brain on his area of expertise. When it comes to the world of social media and influencing, a lot of us are in the dark. Whether you started a blog on purpose, whether you're a follower, whether you're someone who always set out with the intention to be an influencer, let's be real, none of us really know what we're doing. So how about we lift the lid on some of the industry's best kept secrets, talk about what it's really like to be an influencer and how you can boost your brand so, before we get started, might I suggest that you grab yourself a notepad? Because, trust me, there are a lot of tips and tricks. Today's guest can be described as the man behind the scenes, working tirelessly to ensure his clients are set up for success and reaching their goals and potential. Welcome to the wonderful Ryan Chipperfield from Blue Chip Talent. How are you? Danny, great to
1: be here. Thank you.
0: No, thank you so much for joining me. Now, this is a little bit of a different episode, um, but essentially I am here to pick your brain. And I want to talk about some topics that sort of get asked a lot behind the scenes when it comes to Instagram and social media and I thought, who better to ask than an absolute expert like yourself? Well,
1: oh, thank you. I'll throw some compliments back at you. Congratulations <laughs> on the on the show and obviously uh, from a fan to a participant. So, um, you know, we've been thrilled to be able to support you and your show and um, obviously being part of the Mum Network too, which I'm a part of. So, yeah, it's really great to see uh, a platform like yours getting the traction that it is and uh, and well done for pulling it all together.
0: Oh, thank you. I, I didn't even have to pay you for that. That's so right. I might do that a bit yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. I'll
1: send you an invoice <laughs> after the show. Amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Let's just set the scene a little bit. Can you tell the listeners who you are and what it is that you actually do?
1: Yeah, I mean, the who am I is a really good question for me. I've sort of deliberately uh, not had a profile. I like being, um, as you said, the guy behind the scenes. Uh, I look after professional athletes and influencers and uh, do everything from sponsorships, uh, contracts, media, to uh, also going into venture capital with them and, and investing in businesses um, the reason you and I are together, I suppose, is through the Mom Network, which you're a part of. Uh, Rosie's one of my clients, and together, her and I have that brand, Mom Network. So that's kind of like the long and the short of how all this exists. Um, my my brand, Blue Chip Talent, is the is I guess the money for a few businesses and the funding, and um, you know we support through all kinds of things like staff resources, you know the HR elements, the infrastructure to be able to pull those businesses together. And allow incredible people like Rosie and hopefully yourself in the future to plug into our sort of structure to, to launch your own businesses and brands. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my my role is to be um, a hidden hidden face um, to support our talents.
0: Amazing. Now, from a social media perspective, because I think there's a huge misconception in terms of bloggers and influencers uh, just being there to receive a whole heap of free stuff. And yet we're seeing this transition and evolution into influencer marketing. Where do you see that going?
1: Yeah. I mean, for us, influencer marketing is an important part of our strategy. We don't think it's um, the strategy. I mean, you know, I always think like Facebook's a perfect example at the moment. When you've got 80 year olds in the nightclub, it's probably time to change <laughs> nightclubs. And <laughs> Facebook's full of Full of your parents, parents, and your parents. And I think that that's changed really quickly. Facebook used to be the most popular place on earth. Mm. And all of a sudden now, I mean, when was the last time you wrote on someone's wall? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's really changed. So, I mean, we like to think that influencer marketing is going to be here forever. I'm not convinced it will be. I think it's going to be part of people's strategies in some capacity going forward. But there's definitely been a huge shift towards it. You know, you're seeing already new platforms like TikTok come out that, that's put a little bit of pressure on Instagram, you know, looking at some of our younger talents, they only communicate via Snapchat. So it's a very diluted market as it is. Um, but, you know, we always joke like influencer campaigns can be really, really exciting, but they can also be just like cute where they aren't going to make us rich. Mm. Um, the real opportunities for me is, is influencers using their profiles to start brands and have a bigger vision for what's going on. But, uh, you know, it's definitely a, a space you need to be across and aware of and um, and understand a lot about.
0: Mm. It's interesting you say that. I actually saw a quote this morning. Um, 22% of internet users aged 18 to 34 purchase products after seeing an influencer endorse it. Now, I think, again, back to the... Or influencers just get free stuff what does it look from an advertising perspective when an influencer promotes a product
1: yeah so this this year i've noticed is the first full financial year where big organisations have actually allowed for influencer budgets. So I guess what happens early on is you get the early adopters and they're usually fast little speedboat-like companies that can turn really quickly. So they're a skincare brand that's got you know a big following online. They're producing products that are designed specifically for that audience. Whereas a Woolworths, for example, would have taken two or three financial years for them to win the board over to allow for a budget in influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. So... I suppose this year is really the first major year that we're seeing a lot of the big corporations in Australia, ASX 200 listed companies with influencer marketing in their bottom line Mm -hmm. so that they know exactly what's going on in that space. They've actually got it written into their P&Ls. So what am I getting at? I'm getting at the fact that I think that this has been a boat in a rising tide and that the tide has risen really fast and a lot of those big companies are now catching up to it. So you're right. I think influencer marketing has to be a big part of everyone's strategy but it's a part, it won't ever be the strategy. So I don't think we're going to see a decrease in still above the line marketing, which is radio and TV in particular. Yep. Um, but I think it's going to be, if we are on radio and TV, how do we support it with a really tidy influencer campaign to go in? This is for the bigger businesses I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But for someone that's got you know, a local skincare brand and skincare is a really good example because there's usually high margins in it. So you know, the skincare that you're buying for 50 bucks probably costs them six or $7 to produce. That's the high margin game that you need to be in to be able to sustain influencer marketing because you're going to have to pay someone 650 bucks a post to get that skincare out there, aren't you? Mm. You've got to sell a lot of it to make your money back, but you have to sell a lot less when the margins are high. Yeah. Whereas if you're in a really tight margin business where you're only making 15 25% on your products, again, you've got to do a significant volume to get the profit back to justify an influencer campaign. Mm.
0: I think one of the biggest questions when it comes to influencer marketing and, and seeing advertisements on social media is, is it genuine? How do you think that comes across from an audience perspective?
1: Yeah, we we say no a lot. I think that's what probably uh, the industry doesn't get credit for enough is that um, as an agency all the time, we get offered some of the strangest partnerships that you couldn't even imagine.
0: Oh God, you I've know, gotten a few of those and, too. And,
1: and you look at it and you're like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to promote this. You know, this isn't um, in my wheelhouse. Um, I'm trying to think of a bad example, but there's so many bad examples. And um, again, because we say no a lot, I think it does give us credibility that it is real. I mean, pretty much every person from our talent or or Mum networks talent um, that comes on board. The first thing they say to us is that they're only going to work with brands that they like. Mm -hmm. So there's already a few prerequisites in place that, that support that. Um, I think it's genuine. Uh, as long as you're true, true to what you are, in terms of okay, I'm only going to work with one skincare brand. I'm going to work with one, um, you know, makeup, you know, all that kind of stuff as well. Because I suppose if you have some sort of ethics and a moral compass in what you do, then I guess your followers get the benefits of that too. So uh, for every talent that we have on our books, we look at their sort of ten silos. So you know, using yourself as an example, you know, using. Uh, your your hair your skin uh, you know you might use a tanning solution you might have uh, a handbag company that you partner up with a dressmaker you know you can start to see how those silos fill out really easily Mm -hmm. but then what I like about those silos is they very rarely cross over to each other so that we could lock you in for 10 partnerships with those and I guess the goal is, is that 10 of those partnerships become retainers and that you're just paid a monthly rate to be able to do your content for those brands. Mm. The other thing that we try to do a lot of is is not just have deals where it's you posting for yourself to your followers, but you creating content for them so that they can share it on their audience. And then you get the follower benefit the other way.
0: Mm. I think it's one of those things that a lot of people, there's there's not a lot of knowledge around mm. it because it is quite new and quite fresh. And from a follower's perspective, it can be a little bit overwhelming to go, well, hang on why am I now seeing ads on your feed? But it's because of that engagement and that connection with the audience. From a blogger's perspective, um, and like you touched on before, I personally am really conscious of what I promote because I want to make sure that it's something I actually use and, and I do say no a lot. Do you think there's any benefit to somebody just saying yes to build that resume or where do you? What's your thoughts on that? Because some pages you'll see almost turn into billboards.
1: It's a great question. I always think about your your family Christmas, right? And you've probably got thirty people at Christmas at your house, and you're all sitting around the backyard table. Can you imagine standing up at that Christmas party and talking about a product that you didn't really know much about? <laughs> you know, and that's that's in front of thirty people, and then you're going to do it in front of you know, in your case, seven thousand or whatever it is. And and I go. Uh, I don't think, I don't think so. You know, I I reckon that's always a really good prerequisite before you accept any work is one, are you confident enough about the product to talk about it? Um, is it something that's in your, in your flight path? Again, you're not going to veer left really sharply because your followers will feel that. Um, and I think there's sort of a set magnetic North that you need to sort of charge towards. And again, it's things that are in your space that you need to work towards. So Yeah, if you don't feel um, comfortable talking about the product or if you don't feel like you've got the expertise or the knowledge to do so, I've got a lot of respect for people that pass on those opportunities. Mm. And then funnily enough, it actually gives us a little bit of leverage as as agents as well. Like if you constantly push back on work, we're able to kind of drive the price up a little bit. It creates a little bit of supply and demand. And funnily enough too, if the brand is quite left of center, they actually know that a lot of the time. Um, So they actually dial back their expectations because they don't get told no a lot. And I think that's probably what I want to challenge all the moms out there listening is say no more. Mm-hmm. Um, because what happens is that second email, they're like, oh my God, they just sent me. They just told me no. And all of a sudden they're like, but what if we did this? And then what if we added this? Or, or what if you didn't have to do this much posting? And then all of a sudden we've got a deal that we might even be able to work. Um, so the power of no is a pretty powerful ally in this game.
0: Mm, absolutely. I think as well, you know, there's a difference between loving something and getting it for free and then also knowing your worth and i think this is a key thing for any bloggers or influencers is knowing that it's not just about getting a free product and popping it on your stories there's a lot behind the scenes so there's creating content there's wording there's making sure that you know your values and your perception and the way you've promoted that product aligns with the brand Mm -hmm. at what stage would you go okay now it's time for me to start charging as opposed to just accepting free goods.
1: Oh, it's whether or not you actually really want to do it or not. Uh, yep. That's probably the big thing. So um, the kind of uh, precursor question that we ask to the talent is, are you going to be sad if you miss out on this campaign? So it gives us um, a scale of intensity around the negotiations that we can provide. So if you know you sent to Rosie a brand and said, look, this is, this is someone I really want to work with. Um, it will tell us how we've got to approach the negotiation because I suppose we can, you know, as an agent, negotiate and say this is the X amount that she wants per post, but that's it—take it or leave it. Or we can say, look, we've got capacity to work at about this amount. Where does that sit in your budget? Mm-hmm. And it's two very different questions because the second one allows for negotiation, whereas the first one is take it or leave it. And a lot of the times they end up do taking the amount. Um, and I guess as a talent, it's really important you consider what's the amount of money that makes me feel happy for accepting this campaign as well. Because you know, there's a price of milk, right? And and I talk about the price of milk all the time, but you pay a dollar for milk, you feel guilty for the farmers. You pay five dollars for milk, you feel like you've been robbed. You pay two fifty and you feel like the world's at peace. <laughs> it's something about being too cheap and too dear, mm. it's just that that Goldilocks price, that just right that sits in the middle. So with your pricing, if you're sending out a number that you know is expensive and they say no, well then don't be offended because you knew it was expensive when you sent it. Mm. And the reason that you sent an expensive number in the first place was because you really didn't care if you got it or not. And if you did, you, you knew that number would make you feel health, uh, happy and healthy about accepting that opportunity. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's about assessing in yourself what's the number that makes me tick and what's the number that gives them a win as well? And if you can kind of negotiate in the middle, then that's, that's sort of the way to do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. For a lot of um, probably mums listening, they wouldn't have an agent or mm-hmm. they don't have someone who's that third party in between to, I guess, disconnect from a, yeah. an emotional perspective. How do you even know what to charge?
1: Yeah, there's there's definitely guides like we've released a, a, an industry guide on what we believe is, is fair and equitable. I, I think really the the way to break it down too is the time commitment. You know, everyone talks about it from a followers number, but if the time commitment is that you've got to go to three different locations and shoot in three different looks and all that kind of stuff, well, I don't think the followers has all that much of an impact because you probably got three or four hundred dollars worth of work there alone. So everyone wants to give you like a really clear per post number. What we try and do is have a per post number but build in some expenses as well because if there's travel, professional photography, all those sorts of things, um, you really won't know until you see the brief. But, you know, looking at sort of standard industry modeling rates maybe breaking down like a half day rate off that um, asking them things like how long do you want to use these images for like can you imagine if you did it? And, and we haven't had to deal with this stuff yet because the industry is not old enough mm. but imagine in three years time if you did a campaign and your look has completely changed I mean you and I were joking off air about old websites and the first time you ever released something and how
0: much we hated <laughs> yeah. it like an old email address cringe exactly
1: yeah exactly you know and 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 you know Danny loves bubbly six at hotmail.com, and do you know what I mean? Was that well,
0: it? Uh, no, it was actually, oh, don't hold this yeah, against me, cool. I was probably 13. Sugar Baby 294 yes. at Hot it was It was a beauty brand, Good. but you know, cringe, obviously. Cringe. We're yeah. always going to
1: cringe. So imagine in three years time, you're strolling through the depths of Instagram and you see the brand you worked with three years ago still using your yeah. image. Yep. You're going to be like, oh my God, that's not me. Like, what am I doing there? I suppose again, like what's the intent of the brand? How long do they want to hold these images for? What are they? No one asks these questions. No,
0: that's a, I've never thought to ask that. That's a great question.
1: So we try to, um, no matter, and again, this is the value of having an agency and I'm always going to sell that value is we always try and build in 12 month image rights into what we do and that they can opt to renew those image rights but we also have first right of refusal to not renew because again the talent might want to renew those images anyway so again all these things no one's ever dealt with before we look at it from a commercial aspect because we work with you know red bull and with our athletes and all those other worlds that we know that this problem exists and we're trying to bring best practice from the other industry into this sort of social media industry
0: Absolutely. From a follower's perspective, I think it can be, again, quite confusing as to, well, hang on, why is an ad popping up on your page? I follow you because of your writing or your pictures or whatever. And I think that's something to be conscious of is that there's a lot of work that goes into an Instagram blog. And of course, you know, these people have children and they have families to feed. And if they're already offering that content for free, of course, they're going to start charging for some of that stuff, and I think this is where the disclosure piece comes in. When it comes term in terms of an ad or getting a free gift or something like that, is there any set industry rules around disclosing that?
1: Yeah, the government's scrambling at the moment, like the same way we were talking about Woolworths before, trying to build this into their budget. the The government's trying to scramble at the moment because they've they've there's a monster in Australia, and it's influencer marketing, and it's mm. it's this. Nightmare for the tax department because I'll give you this scenario, right? So let's say, um, what's your favourite handbag? What is there a brand? Oh
0: God, yeah. changes depending on the <laughs> depending on the season.
1: Okay, let's say Celine. Okay, Celine. So you. Are so excited because Celine's going to work with you, right? Oh, God. To you. Yeah, that <laughs> this would is be amazing. this is a great day. Yeah. Congratulations! <laughs> yeah. No, so you're so excited. Celine's going to work with you. Celine's going to send you. What's the average retail price of the oh, look, bag? Oh, look,
0: just a casual five thousand dollars. Five thousand. Yep. Okay, I don't have one, by the way. <laughs> That's all
1: right. That's all right. But assume you're in a position that you're going to buy a Celine bag. Yep. So not only are you now not going to buy that bag, therefore not paying GST, they are also not going to have to pay income tax on that bag. So already there's a 40% swing that the mm. government's lost all of that revenue on because they're going to send you this bag. Then what that happens, it gets even worse, is they're going to claim that bag as an expense. So you imagine from the government's perspective, all that tax along the way has been taken away on something that you may have bought regardless. So... What happened, I guess, with these marketing budgets is all of a sudden, all of these lines and businesses have got huge expense lines against them because they're giving away product that, again, traditionally would have sold, had GST and income tax attached to it. Mm. This is a really deep and analytical view of it. But I guess my point is is that um, we're all just trying to catch up. And mm-hmm. the industries are trying to catch up and, and, and look at that behaviour. So what the government's going to want to see going forward is clear indication that it's sponsored. I don't think it needs to be blatant ad first. I think the ad can be tucked in at the bottom, the same way that's kind of happening now. Yeah. Um, you know, I know for our campaigns, we have BCT sponsored or BCT collab. Now, collab, for me, the general rule is that um, someone's been paid, whereas sponsored means the talent's definitely been paid. Mm-hmm. So sometimes brands can't afford to work with talent. So let's, the Celine's a great example. Let's say you and I did a deal. You're going to get a free Celine. They're going to pay me an administration fee for pulling together the campaign, introducing you guys, invoicing, doing the time involved, making sure it was posted in peak times. It's a fair bit of work that goes into it all. Mm. They might pay me, I don't know, $200 to do that because they couldn't have done it without me. You couldn't have done it without me. Everyone's happy. You've got a bag. I've paid my staff. That's what I sort of see as a collab. Whereas I see a sponsorship is here's a free bag, here's five grand cash, $10,000 total investment. I get my 15%, 20%, whatever it works out to be. And then that's kind of a full scale sponsorship. So we do, we have BCT collab, BCT sponsored. Same with mom network, mom network sponsored, mom network collab. Mm. So um,
0: I think from a followers perspective as well, it's good to disclose that you've got that working relationship because sometimes with an ad it might be maybe different wording than what you would normally put or it's obvious that you know you're selling it but you would hope that the influencer is, is promoting something that they believe in. Um, I also think it's something to draw attention to is that a lot of us promote things that we don't get paid for. You know I, I love supporting businesses that that I've bought from for forever and I'll show a, you know, a haul from a dress shop or something like that. But I have no affiliation with, it's just about that promotion as well. So there's, there's that on the flip side from a influencer or blogger perspective. Would you suggest that people approach brands or would you suggest that they wait to be approached?
1: Yeah. If you're a hustler and I mean, you know, one of our, um, you know, culture in our culture document for blue chip and mom network, we literally have a, a bullet point, which is the hustle is real. You know, like this is a game where you've got to hustle because opportunities aren't just going to land at your feet. Some people do get them, but um, if you want a brand, you go get them, but you've got to remember, uh, uh, give away some of our secrets, right? This is a show about, <laughs> That's
0: but, what I'm here yeah, for. Yeah. <laughs>
1: this is a show about unveilings. So my rule is, is the dynamic is very different when they call you. Mm. So, it's almost like a tax. It's like a 20% swing either way, where if they call you, is a 20% more tax. You call them, you pay 20%. And it kind of works that way because the dynamic is different. So you have to know that if you are approaching a brand, their default is going to be gifted. Their default is not going to be, we're going to pay you money. Mm. Because again, the dynamic is off to the wrong foot. Um, and it's, the, it's, it's a different way of going about it. So, yep, you can create your own luck by targeting the brands that you want to work with but um, you will pay a small tax on that by probably only getting gifted opportunities. Now, when a agency does it on your behalf, they, and, and I can speak to us in particular, we don't act like you wanted this. We act like we wanted this. So we'll be like, look, this is a brand that we think would be fantastic for Danny, right? It's not Danny saying this is a brand that I think is fantastic. Hmm. And, and that gets around the kind of paradigm shift um, and it gives us a chance to create a bit of supply and demand. Yep. So, again, that's sort of how you operate a little bit behind the scenes as to those negotiations.
0: Mm-hmm. And part of those neg- negotiations are things like engagement and um I guess, what your reach is and all that kind of jazz, all of those analytics that on a normal personal Instagram you wouldn't have exposure to. From that perspective, how has the removal of likes impacted influencer marketing?
1: Yeah, yeah, likes are down 15% in Australia since that that happened. I suppose um, people wanted to really help contribute to your number and now that your number doesn't really exist, it doesn't matter as much. So I, I saw likes as almost like crowdfunding people's instagram page you know what i mean like if your your friends and family would go out of their way to support you by liking stuff Mm -hmm. now that it's been taken away you're probably not getting those same friends and family making as much of a commitment to like everything they're still seeing it they're still being part of it but um look i always find that the influencer agencies drive analytics harder because it's like them trying to justify their existence Mm -hmm. okay truthfully brands are only looking to see if you're real or fake that's really the number one thing when they ask for analytics is, are your, are your followers from Brisbane, Australia? Or are they from Sao Paulo, Brazil? Yeah, That's like right. the, the main thing. Like, you know, we've done hundreds and hundreds of deals with brands and their reaction to the analytics is pretty much 90% about where are they. Like where are these people actually following from? Are they following because she looks great in a bikini? Are they following because she's a person of influence? Mm-hmm. So they're the, the big challenges that you face. Engagement rates are always going to be really poor with um, highly followed male followings because, you know, let's say you're hot, guys like your photo, uh, all that sort of stuff. They're not going to be able to comment. Their wives will kill them. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? And, and of so course, true. of course, that's going to happen. Like, you know, there's this kind of underbelly that goes on there. So any influencer that's got a really high male following and it's because, you know, they look beautiful or they have a certain look about them, unfortunately, they get punished for their beauty. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a really sad thing. I I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to make it right. But it's just kind of the cost of doing business, I suppose, in this game. Um, And then again, you've got to tailor your brand pitches to what your audience is. Mm -hmm. So look, you know, the analytics are important. The most important thing is work on who you want to target, who do you want to be your followers, like who do you want to be the people that come up to you in the street, and if you build content for them, that's how you'll attract that audience, but it just takes time, you know, and it's 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 interesting, we've had so many people come onto our books that we, we actually tell them to dial back bikini photos and dial back all that sort of stuff and talk more to content. You know, I'm I'm the only guy in Australia that's telling women to put more clothes on. You know <laughs> what I mean? And, and it's it's because it gets us the right audience. Yeah. And it it, you know, it's funny. That most of these most of these people that are taking those photos are incredible minds and really gifted individuals and have a purpose. But unfortunately, because they look so good in a bikini or you know in lingerie, they get rewarded and validated for that. What mm. I'm loving now, and I reckon you look back and I don't know what was. 2015 was the year of the rat or whatever it is whatever animal it is 2019 is the year of the mom because i reckon moms have just taken over the world this year and i think it's really cool and i guess our our motto and passion for all this is like let's make the most of our time in the sun you know the moms have got the platforms now the moms have got the audiences the moms are the decision makers of the household how do we harness that how do we build products how do we give it infrastructure? So that from 2020 onwards, it's that going forward. Mm. So yeah, as I said, don't worry so much about, oh my God, my, in- my engagement rates dropped from 2.94 to 2.2, right? Yes, it's important. Yes, it matters. The brands that really look at those numbers are probably the worst brands to deal with mm. because they're the ones that are going, well, you only made us $1,300 off this post, whereas your last post made us $2,100. They're the worst. They're like energy vampire brands to deal with. Companies like, you know, we'll keep referencing Woolworths, but just I'm trying to give you big conglomerates. Companies like Woolworths are like, look, I don't expect you to sell 50 broccolis off your post. I just want people to know more about us, that we're a friendly brand, that people are going to come into the store more. And that when they're looking at both Coles and Woolies, they're going to turn left and not right. Yep, That's what they try to do. And they're, they're, they're the brands that you want to work with because... They see it as part of the strategy, not the strategy.
0: Mm, I love that. That's really an important reference point as well. What do you think that brands look for when it comes to actually engaging with, say, an influencer or a blogger?
1: Yeah. So when people meet other people, and my point is brands will do this too, when you meet someone at an event and you go onto their Instagram, you don't zoom in, you zoom out. So you look at their tile and you sort of do three or four finger scrolls. So you probably see there's nine in a tile. You probably see 27, you know, pictures of what they are all about. So brands do the same thing. They kind of want to know what your first three swipes are when when you scroll down the tile. And if they look at those swipes and scrolls and go, nah, this is off brand for us, then they'll just move on to another influencer. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not going to individually go through every photo and every caption and all that kind of stuff. That's not how it works. So the case in point is um, having a really good representation of who you are in your tile. So again, our influencers get told... um, In your nine, you've got to showcase what you do. So if you're into fitness, if you love shopping, if you love your family, if you love going to the gym, you know, all those sorts of things, I guess they're all the same thing, like, you know, incidental fitness, going for a walk versus physically going to the gym or, and trying to break down the spaces that you want to be in. Um, Whereas if they just see, gym, 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 bikini, 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 bikini. All those things will work against them. Um, So it's about zooming out and looking at what your feed is. If they believe after looking at that feed that you're in line with their values and in line with the look that they want, because it's an aesthetic for them too, the same way that influencers have an aesthetic on their page, brands have an aesthetic for what fits them. So I'll give an example like Boost Juice, perfect example. They always have like really young, vibrant, bright colors, pastels, it, you kind of know who's going to get Boost Juice work or who's not. Mm. Whereas if I brought you like, you know, a gothic person that was really good at music, <laughs> probably not, <laughs> not going to be. Line. Yeah, yep. it may have a million followers, but, yep. you know, unless, you know, Boost Juice has a complete brand shift, I don't think it's going to fit. So do you fit their wheelhouse as much? And then it comes down to price and engagement. Mm. So I guess my point is, look at the steps that we had to cross before we even got to the number. So it is the last sort of checking point and getting off point for the brand. So Mm. um, yeah, do you match their aesthetics? Probably the most important thing.
0: It's probably a good segue um, in terms of something I did want to touch on is that we hear a lot of noise around the algorithm when it comes to Instagram and compared to a few years ago where it was all chronological order and everyone would see everything that you do, whereas now it's god it's it's like a minefield Mm. because you know are you posting at the right time when are you going to get the most engagement what is your view given that those nine tiles are so important in terms of do i bang out content every day or do i maybe wait every four days until Mm. i've got something of value
1: um your you have to make your profile the destination not your picture so Mm -hmm. um I always hate investing in companies that have to make themselves worse to be better. So Facebook, I never bought shares in. Um, obviously, Facebook owns Instagram. Um, they, they call it the fang stocks in America. And it's Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. So I, I own the ang, but I don't own the F. And um, my point is is that for Facebook to get better, it had to put more ads in. And it had to take more of your data. And in a lot of cases, took too much of your data. Hmm. Instagram's the same. They are run by the same guy. <laughs> And and I guess my point is, is that they're going to do what suits them best to get the best outcomes for their shareholders. So um, you have to know that you're kind of running with a couple of hands tied behind your back. But make your profile the destination of choice. Make your profile worthy of going, I'm going to literally search for that person and go and hunt them down and really be concerned about your profile visits as opposed to your picture clicks and all that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. if your profile's getting visited, it means you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. So... I always like to try and give people different information Then be authentic and trust yourself and make great content,
0: <laughs> right? Not, not me. Sounds beautiful. Yeah, it <laughs> sounds
1: amazing. And you know what's amazing? That's other people's advice. That's not my advice. My advice is be a destination of choice. Mm. So if you release killer content that speaks to your audience, they will hunt it down. You know, it's the same way that, I mean, Disney Plus launched in Australia and people lost their minds. It's mm. because we know what Disney does. So, you know, make yourself that destination. And if you're getting DMs all the time, that's like, you know, you changed my life because you do this and that, do more of that. Run Mm. to that, lean into that space.
0: Mm. I think that that's being conscious of both, right? Like authenticity, that's how you're going to find your audience. If you're being something that you're not, you're going to draw in the wrong people or you're not going to be able to keep up that consistency. When it comes to Instagram in general and bloggers and influencers, what are your top hints for creating that dream profile or destination or for even just driving yourself as a brand?
1: Yeah. Know what you are. So know what you can and can't do because um, you know the amount of people that we see there that talk about diets and they have never, you know, they don't even cook. <laughs> you know, and I think that it, it's, it's, you have a wheelhouse that you can control. There's things in your immediate reach that you're really, really good at. And I suppose, listen to the people around you for what they tell you that you're good at. I mean, we all have ideas of what we think we're good at. But if everyone in your life is like, oh man, you're so good at doing this or she's really good at doing that, then lean into that space and really try and control it. Um, You know, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to be, if you want to be an influencer, you have to influence. Like you have to be the person that's the magnet at the party. You have to be the person. I guess Instagram's kind of made all these hidden faces famous in a lot of ways there's mm. a lot of people out there that didn't have a lot of friends and instagrams become their friendship base well that's cool but um you know i want to use you as an example in this case so brace yourself
0: oh god but
1: but you're <laughs> you do the work that's the difference is you do the work you go to the networking events you're digital but you're analog and i think that's where the success has come so with your platform you know you're not just spruiking it online and on your instagram that networking is invaluable and I think people think that you either network online or you network face-to-face, and then there's no both. Mm. There is a both in this world. And for me, genuine influence is do you get stopped at airports? You know, Do mm. you get stopped at the coffee shop? Do people come up to you on the street? That's real influence. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, I'm getting athletes that have got 25 30 thousand followers that are getting deals 10 times the size of what an influencer is getting mm. because they do they get stopped on the street they actually change people's lives people want to be them they put posters of them on their wall that sort of stuff is where influence comes from so if you can take the best parts of being an influencer and actually focus on them like networking and going to events and doing lots of stuff being constantly uncomfortable then you'll thrive in this environment. But again, what are you really, really good at? What are the things that people come to you for? And then harnessing that with products or, or other opportunities.
0: Mm. I think that's a good point too around, I think a lot of times people get caught up on followers and will look at you know, a profile that's got 100,000 versus a profile that's got 10,000. But I've learned this particularly from my podcast is that if I'm interviewing someone who's got say 15,000 followers and I don't think it even matters. I've interviewed someone who's got 800 followers and she had more engagement and reception to that conversation from my followers than someone who had, you know, a hundred thousand. So it, it purely doesn't matter. Yeah.
1: And just on that point too. So the same way, I guess I always like to give the the brand's perspective, the same way that, um, you know, you're saying before a lot of Australians just buy products off, uh, you know, 22% or whatever the number was. It's all about how many touch points a product needs to sell. So if you're going to buy a, uh, a lip balm, it needs one touch point. But if you're going to do a university degree, it might need 150 touch points. Mm-hmm. And brands have what they call a customer acquisition cost. So the price it costs them to secure a customer. So that's based on all of the marketing that they do and the sales that they've generated from that marketing. So let's say, for example, uh, a university, that's like a really, you know, it's a $60,000 qualification, right? Their custom acquisition cost may be 800 to to $1,000 per customer, but the lip bar may only be a dollar. But again, the margins all kind of work out the same. Mm-hmm. So what I'm getting at, this conversation is so many more touch points because I'm giving sort of physical evidence and I'm giving you a scenario. Whereas if I just did a picture of me holding up a sign saying, mom network, it's one touch point, but it's ineffective.
0: Yeah, so no, no yeah, one would care. Exactly. And they'd be
1: like, well, you're not a mom. Yeah, so you're a dude. How this does this is work? Weird. Exactly. So one, I leave that to the expert, Rosie. And I know that the touch points have to be there for the brands. So like little things, like a gym membership is usually about seven or eight touch points. So it might be your billboard. It might be in the car as you're driving to work. It might be a Facebook ad. You see what I'm getting at? Mm. It's, it's kind of unlocking the stages to purchase. So same with you as an influencer. Your touch points come from networking, face-to-face, getting there, doing this, doing that, creating new content. You don't know where they're going to come from, mm. but you know that you need to do X amount of things to get new followers. So it's just trying to take a, a business approach to your personal life.
0: And it's interesting because I think majority of people who, well, maybe not so much now, but a lot of people who are on Instagram, uh, particularly in the mother space, never really intended on being influencers. And I feel like when I first when I first started getting momentum, I hated the word. I hated it because it came with a lot of bad connotations whereas now it's then just that evolution into that space what do you think your top don'ts are Mm. because a lot of us don't know what we're doing
1: well i think the um, the reason um moms are in the sweet spot um in terms of it's a space that everyone's really uh, self-conscious about okay Mm. so uh you know i'm a complete outsider obviously i'm never going to birth a child i'm 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 not a mom so i can look at this subjectively and when i look at that space it's such a great space because people are unsure of their own ability therefore they seek information out more so than other areas in life like everyone knows a personal trainer right you can kind of learn how to squat pretty much by your next door neighbor, you know, everyone's got a PT call, you know, it's a space. Whereas with, with motherhood, it's the same kind of thing. You, you're going to reach and seek out more information. You've got all these moms around you that are doing exactly what you're going to be doing. So you know that's why I think the 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 mom thing has exploded like it has especially online is because one you don't really use forums anymore that was kind of what you do you go to reddit or you go to a forum on facebook and you ask your questions there now it's dms now it's specifically targeting and I guess you've got access to all these people that you're inspired or aspire to be Um, the don'ts in all that is don't provide information that you're not knowledgeable in you know Mm. don't Just because someone asks you a question doesn't mean you're qualified to answer it. So, um, you know, know your expertise range because um, there's a very famous fitness influencer on the Gold Coast that really probably shouldn't have done that. But learned a lot from that experience. So I think it's it's, uh, about realigning um, and going, all right, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I know I can say and can't say. And here's what I'm qualified to do. Because a lot, of the, a lot of the time you need a qualification to talk about some of those things. Mm-hmm. So I also love the line, from my experience. Yeah. So it just can, it kind of covers it off. It's like the same with financial advice for us. Obviously, blue chip as a name comes from a financial investing term. None of the athletes are in a, uh, a shared fund with us at the moment. So whenever I talk to them about what, Uh, is a good investment I tell them what I've invested in and if they want to follow that that's up to them Mm. so it's a very different sort of sales pitch I suppose
0: Hmm. That's great advice. I think it's something to be conscious of. And, and again, it is that journey and evolution and we're all learning, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's all—it's we're all navigating through this new world, but it has the potential obviously to be huge. It already is. Yeah. So any last piece of advice when it comes to being a blogger or an influencer that you can hand over?
1: Yeah, uh, be authentic.
0: And, and <laughs> <laughs> I actually think that's really important.
1: And, uh, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do that. You know, I, I love this question and it's something, um, that I work really closely at with my athletes and I'm going to um, come at this from a different perspective whenever you're on stage the, the number one question you're going to get asked is have you got one piece of advice so my piece of advice is nail this question and have a very specific answer that you go to and he's going to cringe but my race car driver Thomas we've been working on is every time people ask him, oh man, it's so cool to drive a race car and blah, 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 and all this kind of thing. And it's, it's really cool to see the same people engage with him. And he is living the dream. He drives a race car professionally, flies around the country, half a million dollar Porsche. It's a really cool thing. So we know that that part's cool. But he can't just go, drive fast. It's not a good piece of advice. Mm. So, you know, it's about having answers that actually unlock other answers. And it's about helping that young person that's looking up to them with a piece of advice. So little things like the mindset. So the mindset of a race car driver is that if they don't send their car at 100% all the time, one, they get slammed by the industry because they're not hard enough. They're not, you know, brave enough, all those sorts of things. So what does he do to unlock that full potential? And my example was when I was playing soccer, I um, was lucky enough to have a pretty good soccer career when I was younger. Uh, I was a goalkeeper. So when you were training, you'd dive around at training all the time, you'd make your mistakes, I'd tear up my jersey, You know all that sort of stuff, you'd throw yourself around to try and get better. But I always had a match jersey. So whenever I would play, I would put the match jersey on And the training jersey meant make mistakes. The match jersey meant no mistakes. And whatever you do in your life, you should have a training jersey or a match jersey. For Thomas, when he pulls his visor down, it means business time. You know, when he closes his car door, it means I'm not a business owner anymore. I'm running this show. Mm -hmm. And it's trying to get into the right mindset for peak performance. Um, And and I love your approach now. I think what you're doing is great. Old school, analog. Go, everyone's running to digital, run to analog. You know, run to the spaces where, you know, people don't call anymore. Like I've rung people to collect debt for blue chip talent and they're like, oh my God, you're on the phone. Like (laughs) you're hitting them in ways that they've never experienced because they're keyboard heroes yeah pick up the phone not to intimidate it to do anything but to catch someone off guard and get something resolved you know don't just run to your keyboard all the time so i suppose i'm an old school analog player that's trying to play ball in a digital world so i've had to learn the digital side i'm challenging your listener base out there to go and learn the analog side go old school and network
0: Mm, I love that I think it's a great piece of advice and networking's amazing in terms of connecting you with like-minded people and I think if you always approach it in that sense instead of I have to achieve this or I have to impress these people then you're going to get a lot more out of it
1: just really quickly too and and Rosie I'll talk about this time don't network you know, when you're hungry, you know, we, we use the example, it's the same way you grocery shop. Don't go and network when you're hungry for something because, uh, desperation a stinky cologne. You can smell <laughs> it. So if you're out there and you need sales, don't go and network. It's the wrong time to do it. The best way to network is when it's uh, agenda free because all of a sudden you're just there out of the goodness of your heart. You just like people. You want to collect people. There's people in my life that I think are incredible, really talented business people That I've literally kept around, one, because I like hanging out with them, but two, I know we'll do something together in the future. I'm just not sure what yet. Mm. And not everything has to be right now, right here. Whereas I reckon some people in networking sort of come up to you and you feel straight away that they've got an agenda or something that they're pushing towards. The best thing is just kind of unlocking someone's personality and keeping it in the back of your mind that eventually you may join the dots for something else. Mm. So, yeah, you know, with the networking space go on a full stomach and just really try and take your time and go, it doesn't have to be now, but maybe there's something here.
0: Great advice. Great advice. Now, you are not a parent at the moment, and I say at the moment (laughs) because you've recently been engaged. So, you know, low-key hoping that comes up for you shortly. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure, Lisa. Um, But one of the things that i do normally ask is um around what you do for you now it's generally called the me before mummy clearly you're not a mum but it's all about making sure that you take that time to reconnect with yourself so i would sort of assimilate this to you blue cheap talent being your baby Mm -hmm. and it takes up a lot of your time Mm -hmm. and consumes you what is one thing that you do for ryan just to take that time out
1: yeah, that's a really good question. Um, uh, Ryan, speaking in the third person, is is always battling with this. Um, I um, thrive off, off an always-on approach, so my best work comes when... Um, I think about things a lot. I'm a deep thinker. And, um, you know, it's so funny, like Lisa and I will go to a yoga class together, my my beautiful partner, and she'll be there like, oh, yeah, it feels good just to clear the mind. And I'm like, wonder how much a studio makes? They've got two instructors on. Why would they do that? If everyone's (laughs) paying $20 an hour and and that's me, right? And I think, um, but I know that my mind is a, is a ecosystem. It's got flora and fauna in it and you need to kind of keep the ecosystem in check. I'm really lucky that I bloody love sport. You know, I really adore sport. So for me, it's making sure that I attend enough of our athletes' events. Um, You know, we're going to the basketball tonight uh, with no agenda tonight. It's literally uh, friends got to hook up. We're going to go and watch watch them basketball. But, you know, when Tom's racing, when the Winter Olympics is on, whatever it is, I always try and get to the sport. Um, And for me, it's sort of the one time where it's guns down, you know, we just get to really enjoy it because all the work's been done into that point. We can't do anything when the sport's on. It's just a pure moment of bliss and enjoyment. So again, if you've got something in your life that um, you're working towards, getting to actually watch it happen and appreciate it, and I guess it's for you reading the comments or the feedback or whatever on your show, that's the moment where it's guns down, no agenda, just pure enjoyment. Um, and and taking the time to sort of smell the roses, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I love that, particularly when you know the hustle is real and it's it's all about driving yourself and trying to succeed. But it's good to make sure that you enjoy things along the way.
1: You learn pretty quickly that it's um it's life's about fulfillment, yeah. and um you know our bank account's healthy, that's great. We've done really well as a business, but I. I truly enjoy paying talent more than I do in receiving the money myself. And I think if I didn't have that, it'd be the wrong business for me. I really enjoy seeing talent's lives uh, be enhanced by what we're doing. So um, core purpose
0: is a big part of what you do. 100%. Love that. Well, that's a perfect way to sign off. Thank you to the amazing Ryan Chipperfield from Blue Chip Talent. I will put all of your details in the show notes so that you can follow along or annoy him for more information. (laughs) But thank you so much for joining us and letting us in on some, yeah, usually kept quiet industry secrets.
1: Thanks for having me, Danny. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Talk about information overload. I honestly could have spoken to Ryan for hours about this topic because there are so many rabbit holes that you can go down, but I wanted you guys to get a good understanding of the important things so that you can apply it to yourselves if it's something that interests you. Now, a few things that I took away from the conversation is that firstly, influencer marketing is very important and it's definitely the way of the future, but it should only be part of the strategy, not the whole goal it's not something that is going to dominate the industry forever. So again, if somebody who is creating a platform wants to get into influencer marketing from an advertising perspective, you should still look at other outlets. Now, it's not just about the free stuff. And my goodness, I cannot stress this enough. As an influencer, there's often the perception that all you do is get free stuff or flog off brands. And look, There's definitely some people who do that. And I think that's where the names come from, but it's more than that. It's all about creating a creative space and having an impact. If you can align yourself with brands and get paid while doing it, then why not? But this is where it comes time for you to evaluate your own goals and what you want to achieve. You want to make sure that you can work with brands that stick with your values and align with your motivation, because that sort of stuff is what your audience will genuinely see. Instead of just ad after ad, you need to make sure that you sanity check any relationships. Are you comfortable and confident about talking about that product? Is it in your flight path? If the answer is no, then say no. There is massive power in the word no, not only for yourself and your own benefit, but maybe for future opportunities going forward. The other thing is to make sure that you know your worth. Consider the time commitment that you're investing and be conscious of how much you actually want the work. Sometimes this can be the only sanity check that you actually need. When it comes to working with brands, Ryan says not to be concerned by the likes. Focus on engagement and a genuine following. Building your audience on something that you're passionate about and your focus means that you're going to attract the right people. Likes are down. As he said, by 15%, it's not a major concern, so don't stress yourself out about it. If you're doing the right thing, the right things will come. And lastly, think about what your tiles look like, your most recent nine, and make sure it's a good representation of you and what you stand for. As Ryan highlighted, you want to make your page the destination. If you would like more information on Ryan, you can find him over on Instagram at at bluechiptalent. Or if you would like more information on the Mum Network, you can also find them on Instagram at at mumnetwork or at mumnetwork.com.au. I'll be sure to pop all the details in the show notes as well. But in the meantime, remember to take a breath, take some time for yourself and know that you're doing a damn good job. Thank you again so much for joining me. I cannot wait to share more stories with you. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks again, lots of love, and I'll see you next week.